0: you tune in to full service radio full service radio full service full service full service full
1: service radio Public Library on full service radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm Asia R. Clark, Assistant Manager of Reading Programs at the D.C. Public Library. My co hosts today are Carrie Cotton Williams, Manager of Special Programs, Derek David Quick, Adult Services Coordinator, and we are excited to have Derek Young, owner of Mahogany Books located in the Anacostia section. Of Washington DC on today's get lit show we are discussing if Bill Street could talk James Baldwin's classic in anticipation of the motion picture debut to kick off this afternoon we would love to hear from our co-host um, Derek Young and let's hear a little bit about mahogany books before we get started with our discussion today
2: Hey, y'all. So, <clears throat> Mahogany Books is a uh, 12-year-old company now. Um, we first started online uh, 12 years ago, but a year ago, maybe last week, we opened our doors for the first time in Anacostia, D.C., as a physical bookstore. Um, uh, so we sell books that's written for, by, and about people of the African diaspora. We have, um, we're very, very um, uh, focused on making sure we provide uh, a great literary experience, along with events that really allow people to not just um uh connect with each other but really actualize what these books are really mean to us in our lives. So we have a lot of events coming up. We have Legacy coming uh this weekend we have uh Cheryl and Wade Hudson uh great kids events. And we just do all these different type of things to make sure that people can really connect with uh each other in the community but really can um enjoy what books really means not just reading them but uh turning it into something that they can actualize in their life, empowering them and stuff.
1: Great. Thank you for sharing that. And we look forward to all of the events going on over in Anacostia. Um, We know that you also recently had um, a book discussion on James Baldwin, so this will be great to have you as well, because I I know you have some insight. We talked a little bit about that before we got started. So now I'm going to kick it off to one of my co-hosts to my left, David, so that we can start talking about our book of
0: the hour. Sure. So uh, we all had a chance to read this book and we've already been having a good conversation, but I think I'd be curious just to hear each of us say a little bit about what our impressions of the book are, what stood out about it. Um, the book was written in 1974, which uh, based on my knowledge of James Baldwin kind of midway in his career, he'd already published quite a few books and had made quite a name for himself. So um, what about the the plot of this book, um, the content, the structure stands out to you, particularly as we look to, uh, cinematic interpretation of it.
3: I'll kick it off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I read it and I think before we were talking about this, David, before about, for me, there was no particular like climax in the book. You know, um, it read like we had moved into conversations between characters um it was very rich and it also felt like it was a play rather than a novel and maybe it was because of the the narrator or the na- the use of the narrator's voice in a way that seemed almost like a director or a di- give you know a direction given to characters um so that was a I remember reading this book as not a child but a long time ago (laughs) and so I didn't really remember a lot about it but coming to it now I guess I was expecting more of a traditional like plot you know the the structure of a novel um, and and character developments and sort of you know some sort of resolution in the end which we don't get Mm -hmm. and I don't really know how I feel at this point (laughs) Mm -hmm. about the book um, because it's not necessarily a feel-good book um, but I do love Baldwin and I think this is an amazing story Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily grounded in a particular historical moment, that it can be mm. just as relevant today as it was, you sure. know, 40 years ago.
0: And maybe you can say, without giving away too much, although I don't know what you could give away, What what is the basic content of the book? <laughs> What's it about? <laughs> well,
3: the content of the book, it's, you know, um, it's a love story between two young people, Fanny and Tish, who are living in um, New York, um, and they come from two different families, um, and they grew up around each other, knowing each other, and they end up in love. And um, uh, Tish is also pregnant um, when the book starts. Um, And so Fonny is also in jail. And so the book is told through a series of stories um, that focuses on particular characters within the book about their relationship. And also about their experiences, particularly the incident that caused him to become incarcerated Mm -hmm. um, and their struggle to just uh, both families to get him out of jail. Mm
1: -hmm. Does that do it? Mm -hmm. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Good job. I I agree with uh, Carrie, you know, in thinking about how it reads very differently. And I felt like I was on an emotional roller coaster. And then there's a point where I really felt like I got to the climax when I was reading. And then later on, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. No, I'm not at the climax because, the you know, the roller coaster actually, you know, came crashing down, you know, and then coming back up again. And I didn't realize it until I got to an, another part in the book. Um, one of the things, too, that I really uh, want to bring up in the book that I think is uh, important or what resonated with me was the relationships and seeing... Re- What we all understand and know of how you have to bring people together uh, when it comes to love in different ways. You know, the the sisters, um, the love between um, the main character's parents, and the difference in the love between the main character's um, um, parents, or the lack of love, uh, perhaps I should say. I think that's. Between the two sets of parents. Between the two sets of parents. I think that's a very um, complex. Uh, dynamic there that can be unpacked. And I'm actually looking forward to seeing that on screen. I want to see how that's going to be portrayed. I know that, um, Regina King is going to be in the movie and she's going to play Sharon. So, um, I admire her as an actress and I really would like to see how she's going to, you know, be that mother to Tish and that, that wife to Joseph, Mm -hmm. you know, and the, you know, the mother to those two girls, see how that's going to be portrayed.
2: Um, I would say this is one of those kind of books that I, when I explain to people, um, it's a people book. Mm-hmm. It's really about relationships, and you should not expect um, to have a good feeling at the end because that's not necessarily what we experience as people. Mm-hmm. I think that's what James Baldwin really was um, trying to convey that <clears throat> despite everything that's going on uh, in your environment all you have are your hopes and each other Mm -hmm. and trying to find a way to find um, love and find um, uh, prosperity, wealth contentment in these relationships you have in your family, with other people um, really is what makes life worth living and I think that's really um, played out when you when you look at Fani and Tish and their relationship that despite everything that's happening, um they're really uh trying to make this new baby become the focal point. um This is what's gonna generate um that new happiness and that that joy for them um so to me i that's that's really the the, the outside of the environment that was the focus of of the book and um again. No spoilers, but this is, is, it's like a real people book. You're not, you know, it's all about reality and what we experience and the feelings and emotions that we have.
3: And I want to, like, I think you're right. And I also think that a lot of the book is about seeing. It's about being seen. And so, like, the foundation of relationships is to be seen. And there's a passage in the book, um I'm on a Kindle, so <laughs> well, it says page ninety nine, so I don't know if it's the same. Um Well fact checks for you. Yeah, fact check for me. Um Baldwin writes uh from Tish's voice about their friend Daniel, who was mm-hmm. also incarcerated, who had been incarcerated, and he came to Tish and Fani, you know, for support for that, you know, being welcomed and embraced And she says that neither love nor terror makes one blind. Indifference makes one blind. And I could not be indifferent to Daniel because I realized from Fonny's face how marvelous marvelous it was for him to have scooped up miraculously from the swamp waters of his past a friend. And so, like, these very genuinely deep and intimate relationships are grounded in what is seen and what is not seen. Mm -hmm. You know, who sees you? And do you see yourself? And do you see others? And there's a lot of like repet- repetition on what do these characters see? I,
2: I, I, that's that's really interesting because now you you help me to maybe understand the mother-in-law Miss Hunt better because maybe what yeah. what created the distance between her and everyone else is that she wasn't being real. Mm-hmm. She wasn't allowing people to really see the true her. So that kind of created the tension. Between her and everyone else, because while everyone else is dealing with the environment, dealing with their issues, they're at least being real about it. Whereas she's in the same environment, having some of the same issues, she's kind of pulled herself away and is pretending to be this uh, this person that uh, restrict that keeps them from being able to really connect with her.
1: And her daughters do the same. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. And I think it's nice when you think about um, thinking about being seen. There's, to me, a reminder that um, Sharon provides her daughters as a mother, to, especially for Tish, you know, because I think through um, Sharon, Tish is able to remain centered, to keep herself in a place where she sees what's going on. And she also gets it from Ernestine, because she's so wrapped up in her thoughts of what's going on to her and reality of Fawny um, not giving it away, but what's going on with her child's father and how um, traumatizing it is and going to see him in this... And, the, and then that's there, that key word again, see. Seeing him in the place that he's in, but also knowing and have seen, seeing him in an intimate setting, seeing him as her lover, seeing him as her friend, her childhood friend growing up together. And then she sees him again in this space that, you know, she's not sure if she's going to see him outside of that space again. And her mom... Um, I, I think is a, a force that helps her to see beyond that, or to try and see things differently, and remain centered so that she can get through because there's so many things beyond her, um, especially carrying a child. So, interesting thought. What do we? You know, we mentioned um, Mrs. Hunt and and thinking about uh, Mrs. Hunt and the daughters. Um, particularly, what can we say about that relationship, you think, um, of how you want to see it in the motion picture? Uh, We we talked about it a little bit before we came on the air, but uh, there's some interesting things that go on with Mrs. Hunt and her family, so I wonder can we pull together some pieces of things that we want to see portrayed, (laughs) dramatized?
0: (laughs) And Mrs. Hunt and her daughters are the the mother and sisters of Fonny, the father of the baby, um, and he's in in jail. And they, one of the main conflicts in the novel is between his his family and her family in terms of how they're they're dealing with
3: this unexpected
0: pregnancy between the yes. two children. So, um.
3: I mean, there's uh, most of the conf- a lot of the conflict is based in that family, Fonny's family. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Tisha's family is very. Uh, liberal in a way. I mean, seemingly like they—they they, um, good point. Yeah. When she's when Tisha's describing her father, her mother, her sister, like everybody holds the same rank seemingly. Mm-hmm. You know, she calls them by their first names, mm-hmm. from from a narrator. You know, she doesn't necessarily call them her mother or father or sister. But with Fonnie's family, it seems like there's a struggle, and we talked also about like uh, Baldwin and. Spirituality and the, and the struggle mm-hmm. um, that is often present in his writing um, and is present in the relationships in Fonny's family. His mother is very devout um, and his father is not and uh, his mother is a classist and also a color-struck person. Mm-hmm. Classist and, and egregious. And the, and the father <laughs> is not. Um, and there's this, this constant tension that sort of boils over and erupts in different, you know, um, interactions between them. And uh, I want to see that. Like, that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's um, probably where, you know, the climax is when we talk about, like, um, this idea of being transformed. Transformation happens within that family. It's not necessarily always for the, for the good, mm-hmm. but it does happen through that struggle.
2: I really don't. I really just did not care for the mom and the sisters. So, um, like the movie without them, I would be perfectly okay. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need to have them there. Um,
3: Did you? You didn't like them because of the character, or did you just think that it was like, uh, well, again, not developed.
2: The pretentiousness of them Mm. really, really just it it drove me crazy. Um, Because again, you have. These individuals who are all dealing with with things, right? No one is is immune from dealing with life and having challenges. And while they're trying to pull themselves together and trying to uh, find ways to help get you know finding out of jail, while they're trying to you know uh, pull together money to help pay for the lawyer, they're just kind of like, oh, well, I just can't deal with it. and. You know, again, this is a people book, so that emotion is there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Baldwin writes it in a way that you want to see this person like, look, you need to step away from me. Um, I'm not I don't have (laughs) a good feeling for you. So um, it is going to be interesting to see how that plays out, because it is, you know, I think there has to be that uh, emotional release for them to have that that final conflict, especially where Tish can kind of step up Mm -hmm. and say, hey understand, you know, you're the quote-unquote mom-in-law, but this is my child, you know, I'm with Fani, and this is how we're going to move forward with our family. And you kind of have to have that. Every person who is growing and is now, um, you know, uh, putting together their own family, they have to have that moment where they step out on their own and stand on their own uh, two feet. So it has to happen, but I'm just not a fan of uh, <laughs>
3: of Miss Hunt and the sisters. <laughs> but but they're like they're like archetypes. Like they represent yeah, a whole absolutely. segment they, yeah. of society. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And you, you make a good point. This is a, a a real people book because in times of distress, when tragedy hits, you have those that run toward it. What mm-hmm. do you need? What do we have to do? And they pull resources and they figure it out. And they can you know they are going to pull back the layers. But you also have those who run away from it. I don't want to deal with it. You did it. I'm so sorry. I'm a prey on it. You know, like all of the things that we heard in the book. But ultimately, those are actual, real human mm-hmm. reactions um, mm-hmm. to you know what may happen in a, a tragedy, a mistake, a misunderstanding, however you want to call it, um, a situation, circumstance, and. It, it's really all in those scenes with Fonny's family, unfortunately. Like, you know, you see the, the negative the negative part that, of how it can turn out when you have those tragedies. Do,
0: do we get to see the three Hunt women's humanity in those scenes, though? I mean, it's kind of, it's a very...
1: I don't see the humanity, for me, I see humanity in... Um, Adrian at the end toward the end mm. but not in the scenes earlier in the book. Mm. I don't yeah. see it w- when we're speaking about it now when, when they're really coming together as a family unit having that family meeting I didn't particularly see it. I mm-hmm. saw it in one sister later on. Mm-hmm. You know.
2: Yeah. I mean I, I would maybe say it, it you can see it when they when Tish does call them out. Mm. Right. When she re- when she pulls back the curtain on all the hypocrisy and all the pretentiousness what they've kind of put up and she calls them for who they are, then you kind of get to see their souls bared and they kind of, you know, shrink back from it. Yeah. So, because that's a part of us as well. When we look at that in that mirror, you know, how do you deal with it, right? So I think, you know, if you want to call it humanity then, I think you can, you, you, you see it then, yeah. You know.
0: But I think Asia wants the rant by the sister Ernestine to be depicted word for word in the film. Oh yeah. Yeah, That's what talk, I'm hearing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can talk a little bit of, about it as far as we can on public radio <laughs> about language. You know, I think as far as the language goes, um, it would be satisfying <laughs> for me to see Ernestine say what she said mm-hmm. word for word in the book. I mm-hmm. think it would be satisfying for me as a reader and, you know, sitting in the audience, it's just like, yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else feels the same way, if they want that satisfaction. <laughs>
2: well, you know, I think I, I, I do, I, and we talked about this earlier, um, that, I, so this was the first time I've read James Baldwin. And so, yes, everyone can, Shame, shame me. Um, <laughs>
1: okay, no shame, no shame. Uh,
2: but so, I had in my mind a certain type of, um, you know, what I expected the book to be. Listening to all of his uh, speeches, you know, his debates and stuff like that, I had one kind of thing in mind. Uh, then when I started reading it, I was like, shook. Otherwise, like, oh, okay, I wasn't necessarily expecting this. Um, so I read it the first time, and I felt a certain way, and I. I told David in secret. I we won't have that conversation on the air. Um, but as I was rereading it um, in preparation for our discussion here, um, I really became settled about it because of again, as an as an as a writer and what words mean and how they are able to get across um, certain emotions. So as I was rereading it and going over some of those words, some of that language, I was like, okay you almost kind of need it especially because this is a a book about people like there's nothing that's for this family that is being um, hidden from everyone like this is who we are and we're going to support each other and it's it's out there so I think I I think you I will love to see how it is treated in a movie Mm -hmm. um but I think it is definitely is is it's definitely needed
0: Mm -hmm.
3: yeah it's layered yeah Absolutely. Um, can I go back to I think your first question or maybe it was a reference to something about a place or time. Okay. And I said it wasn't necessarily rooted in time. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and then you were talking about language. And then I was like, I remember this passage when uh, Sharon goes to Puerto Rico and she's in a club and she's listening to these young Puerto Rican singers sing a song that her mother used to sing. And her mother was from the Birming, from Birmingham, and her mother, she said, I remember myself sitting on my mother's knee when I first heard it. She remembers my Lord and I, and so we'll walk together, my Lord and I. That song is Birmingham, her father and her mother, the kitchens and the mines. She may never, in fact, even have particularly liked that particular song, but she knows about it, it is a part of her. She so slowly realizes that it is the song which to different words, if words indeed there are, the young people on the bandstand are belting or bolting out. Like there's uh, the language, like there's some sense of place in that, you know, in her memory. And I just uh, <coughs> realized that I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that there is a place there is, there is a historical moment here that mm. we can sort of reach back to because Sharon and her husband and Tish are, are these migrants probably first generation migrants who are from Birmingham and they bring with them this sense of family and this mm. sense of togetherness um, and it's rooted in them and it's rooted in the culture that they bring um, with them to New York
1: yeah that's a good um, observation absolutely I like that um when I wanted to go back like with um about uh, we spoke kind of briefly about relationships and um I think the relationship between Tish and Ernestine we, thinking about real people, I think that's real you know I, I was there were certain certain points in the book where um i t- I feel like tears were welling in my eyes um, one with daniel Daniel made me cry mm-hmm. but Tish and Ernestine make me cry, because they're sisters, but it's um, admittedly so that when they were younger, you know, it wasn't something that was a natural sisterly bond, but you see the love between them, especially now in this moment, and when they're sitting in the bar together, having that conversation, that realness between them really was touching to me, um, I think, because I've, you could see how the older sister, who's four years older than her, is really trying to—she she has more knowledge— um, Ernestine to me is a, a, a woman from another universe, sort of speak. Like she is, she seems old. She seems oh. older than she is. Like she definitely comes to the table. You know, if they're four years between them, she's twenty two years old. But she spe- She's speaking very. Knowledgeable and educated for someone who said, "I'm not going to school." She made a decision not to go to college. She could have easily went to college. but she, she knows about the, the system, she knows about law, she knows about how it's going to go down. She has all of these resources, and she's schooling her sister, but telling her in a sisterly but very like, tough love way, like, "This is what it is. this is what's going on. But what's nice is that, you know, she also she knew that her sister was carrying a child. She kept her sister's secret. You know, there's that love between them, and I particularly in that moment, you know, resonating with me with what Derek is saying about realness, that's a real relationship between sisters. You know, sometimes sisters have a very complex—relationships are complex— but to me, sisters' relationships are very complex because um, sometimes your mother in that relationship, sometimes your aunt, sometimes your sister, you know. Um, and there's, there's an intimateness between sisters. Uh, sometimes if you have that type of relationship, and I think James Baldwin was able to show that, um, that realness of it, you know, through, as they describe it from the beginning up until the, the point of, you know, everything that's going on climaxing with, you know, Fawnie in jail and they're worried about what's going on.
3: That's amazing what they did <coughs> to help him. Like exactly. The amount of money, mm-hmm. you know, and just support. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Just, you know, put pound in that pavement to mm-hmm. you go downtown. Did you do this? Did you do that? It was, you know, you felt the pace and the urgency of what they were feeling as you're reading it, right. mm-hmm. you know, because it's an urgent situation.
2: Yeah. yeah. So you're kind of now, when I finished the book the second time I walked away feeling like okay this book is really about the environment Mm -hmm. Um, but you're really making me really reconsider my (laughs) thought now about the relationships because the sisters is a really important um, uh, uh, point but then you just made me think of as a father Mm. the relationship between um, I'm going to say his name not Frank the jo- Joseph. Joseph and Tish, mm-hmm. especially when uh, she first informed the family that she was pregnant and how he had her sit on his lap and like, you are a good girl. Like, mm-hmm. don't, I don't, whatever you got in, in your head, just understand that I love you and I see you as a good girl and what that means for that father-daughter relationship. Now, I, I think anyone can, you know, from sisters to mother to daughter, uh, father to daughter, um, you can really feel those moments because they're very meaningful. Like how we perceive each other, you know, and how we care for each other is uh, sig- is highly significant. And then how we wake up and go through our day every day. So, yeah, I've yeah, I think I might be changing my mind. <laughs> I, I, mean, That's
0: yeah. part I think of it's it. true. I mean, I think I think both are true. Definitely. Like when you were saying before we started that you saw the environment as one of the key characters in the book. One of the questions that I brought is, is about the title of the book, If Beale Street Could Talk. What, what's, what does that mean? Why did he choose mm-hmm. that title? And mm-hmm. I think maybe that insight that the, the environment itself is one of the characters that could have its own story about what's going on mm-hmm. is maybe what this title is about.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, t- for me, it was... Um, Again, in the 70s, I mean, whether they were in in Puerto Rico, uh, in New York, uh, whether they were going up to, I forget the part where they had their, um, their, uh, where they purchased their apartment, and I forget which part of New York that was, but in every part of uh, their comings and goings, the environment was like omnipresent there, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it was the police officers and how they interacted with the people there, um, whether it was how... Uh, some of the, um, the the men who had been on that same block for decades, how they became like a fixture and what that meant for little kids who were walking down that street and so those people there. Um, uh, Tish even talked about how uh, there was a street, a street for each day, mm-hmm. each hour, whether mm-hmm. it was a Sunday, whether it was a Monday, and how that environment played out based on what was happening. And for me, that was it was it was key to everything that they were dealing with, especially when you talk about Fani, because his situation is a result of the environment, and at least in my mind, mm-hmm. because he's in this situation. Oh, you look suspicious to me. Mm-hmm. You're going to be the guy. And whether or not we're right or wrong about if you were really um, uh, you know, responsible for this crime, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, for them, right place, right time,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and now he's in a situation. So, the environment was so that's why you know for me, if Bill Street could talk, it was this is this is what I'm talking about. This is oppression. This is what a you know a racist system looks like. Is not just the overt things, but it's the everyday coming and going. So, what people have to deal with um, to you know find some type of happiness. In their life right so that's that was when I walked away with it that's that's what was really big for me
3: mm. well you, yeah it's bitter and sweet mm-hmm. you mm. know uh it's sad there's sadness and joy mm-hmm. so the the title comes from a blues song mm. um, uh, Beale Street blues by w c handy and so if you know the blues, like people will say listen to the blues, and it will you know mm-hmm you don't necessarily become depressed by listening to the blues It actually helps you right. mm-hmm. even though the songs are depressing <laughs> yeah. the lyrics, but it makes sense. Like you're talking about environment and then there are these moments where there's great sadness, but then there's this amazing love between these two people mm-hmm. and these families. Like there, this is what, if it could talk, if the blues could talk, this is what the conversation or dialogue is. This is the language mm-hmm. of the blues. Mm-hmm
1: yeah good insight. Um, you also mentioned uh, the happenings with you know regards to the police and uh, the oppression um, let 's talk about you know Daniel for a moment we 've mentioned him a couple times, but you know in juxtaposition to other things but you know let 's put him on the table as uh, as the main subject instead of the secondary character because he 's important. I think that he his role in <clears throat> And the story is really, um, it stands out to me. It's very poignant, you know, to see that relationship.
0: Who is Daniel?
1: Who is Daniel, yes. Let me give some background, sorry, audience. (laughs) So, you know, Daniel is a childhood friend of Fawny's. And, you know, um, Carrie earlier read a passage where the description of being able to find that relationship out of a swamp was very, you know, good for Daniel. But in a sense it was you know good for them as a couple so Daniel is um, a young man who went to jail for two years and is now just coming out of jail and trying to get reestablished um, back into society and it was an unfortunate jailing he he didn't do anything um, he was picked up he didn't he didn't do what anything to be deserved of two years mm-hmm. you know he admittedly said that he had um, you know, Mary Jane on him. However, outside of that grass, as he called it, that's definitely from 74. <laughs> <laughs> but what they put him in jail for and what they had him plead guilty to wasn't wasn't what he did. He wasn't a criminal. He didn't steal a car. He was put in jail for stealing a car. So, um, you know, what can we say about um, the introduction of Daniel um, to Fawney and... Um, Tish toward the end of the book.
2: I don't. I, go, go ahead. Sure? <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to trying to put together my thoughts on them.
1: Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. I think that you know that's that was the other part of the book that brought tears to my eyes. Actually, so yeah. it's like he's he survives, like he lives,
3: but he's not surviving. Like he's uh, he's the one that is released, but he's not. There's a a part of his humanity that's taken from him And so in many ways he, He's all Like Fonny and Tisha Always searching for him or he just Appears mm-hmm. you know <laughs> he doesn't Have roots mm-hmm. you know He doesn't he's very fragile um, And he's He's the tragic figure that Is so representative of all of the Other you know in This book black men that Are incarcerated um, with, with Fonny and Fani in jail doesn't see himself as one of those men. He doesn't see himself as Daniel necessarily out in the street. He eventually does see himself. There is a transformation yeah. there. But um, Daniel is is tragic in a way. <coughs> like he gets out, but he doesn't. He's not living.
2: Yeah. I, I, thank you. Because I think you you helped me with the words I was looking for. He is almost like a um like a, like a phantasm. It's like he's like spirit. He is. And he has to go through that process of trying to, he's trying to reclaim himself by mm-hmm. talking to them about what he went through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's all there's these passages where we jump back to them and he's talking to Fani or Tisha about what he went through in jail. And he's trying to, like, almost confess and, like, acknowledge, okay, this happened. Um, and he has to, like, mourn it in order to try to figure out get back to who he who he is right i think that's that's that was that's the hard part for me is that because again he went to jail for something that for a crime he didn't commit okay he had a little bit of grass on him or whatever but he was jailed for two years for a crime he wasn't guilty of and now his his humanity his manhood has been kind of like stripped down and now he has to try to rebuild that um and that's a tough, it's, it's, it's a reality that, that again, people are dealing with. Again, this is a people book mm-hmm. and people are dealing with that now. So to have to face that, you know, to look at this character and recognize that it's not just this person in this book but there are people who are dealing with that now in 2018 who are trying to figure out how do I now live you know, post you know, five, 10, 15 years in jail. I mean, just uh, three months being held on bond for something that you didn't do. I mean, that's that's a, that's something that is, is hard to look at.
3: It, but there's also tenderness there. Like he's still, he's tender, he's mm-hmm. fragile, mm-hmm. but there's tenderness for him to be able to be open mm-hmm. and to and be vulnerable to Tish and Fonny and to relate to them what his experiences were. Um, that's something that. Baldwin I think is really good at is to get to the tenderness in people, mm-hmm. even the people that you don't like,' because I think even the sister <laughs> there's a there is a point in the scene where it's like mmm, you know i don't know if they deserve that, you right. know um but but with Daniel, I think there is a tenderness in,
1: in and it doesn't that doesn't disappear which yeah. which is hopeful. You're right. Um, Just real quick, the fact checked it was page 99. So So on page 105, um, I thought it was very, you know, tender. And it was innocent, but it was real because Daniel asked, you know, um, you folks mind if I drop by more often, say around this time? He was like setting himself up, like, you know, he'll have dinner with two people he's familiar with. And even the way he asked you folks mind to me you know the way I I heard the voice you know Mm -hmm. he he was politely asking you know he doesn't want to be a burden but he needs them Mm -hmm. you know there's an emotional need that he needs and they're able to provide it and I thought it was kind of interesting you know in the background I I picked this up when I was reading it um, finally put on the record player Marvin Gaye's What's Going On and that's playing in the background so I actually heard the lyrics to that song as I was reading that that piece and I thought it was very fitting for that song to be on because this is a you know this actually is set up for something that's loaded at this point in the book when Daniel comes we know he went to jail but we didn't know all that was going on with him that they keep going back to that mm-hmm. and you keep seeing you know them taking turns rubbing his back giving him hugs you know letting him cry um and that song stayed in my mind as I was You know, reading going on when they would keep you know going back and forth with how they were helping um, Daniel. You know, supporting him Uh, and really you know being uh, in a sort of that emotional support that therapist for him.
0: And that's at the very end of chapter one, which is really like 95% of the Um, Mm book. That's what's happening in the final paragraph is that they're uh, they're taking care of him when he's kind of in crisis. And then the knock comes on the door and it's the police coming to pick up Afani. So the, just that that context of um, a group of, of a, a black family and black friends taking care of each other but being interrupted by this act of racism that is going to c- continue to disrupt their lives mm-hmm. I think is a big yeah. important part of the book. And I think maybe in terms of that tenderness between these characters and men showing tenderness to each other maybe... It makes me think that that maybe is what Barry Jenkins, who's directing the movie, is interested in because that's a big theme in his first movie, Moonlight, that Mm -hmm. showing kind of all kinds of people being intimate and tender with each other, but particularly men being intimate with each other. I think maybe is something that Jenkins saw in this story. Yeah, it's
3: a softness you don't see on screen, Mm -hmm. or maybe not even on the page.
0: I think so. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's
3: such hard. I guess like the environment is hard.
1: Absolutely.
0: Do you think that would have been, and we're almost out of time, but do you think that in 1974, those kinds of relationships, like Tisha's parents being so open and non-judgmental in the context of her being pregnant or these men being intimate with each other, would that have been kind of new and a new kind of story to see on the page of a book in American literature? In 1974?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Because in some instance, for some people, it's still new now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- yeah. I I said this, um, you know, I had mentioned before, as an English teacher and then as someone who um, studied extensively, James Baldwin was so ahead of his time. And that's like something that everybody knows, you know, that's undisputed. He was so ahead of his time and unapologetic for it, you know, um, and how he writes and the subject matters that he takes, um and he just takes them head on and and drives them into the traffic and and I think that's one um, because we today can't really say that we could probably uh, s- safely sit down at eighteen and say oh you know this is what I'm doing I'm getting married and parents are like give me a hug I knew you know <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> like, <laughs> but I
3: do think like there are people out there like that oh yeah you know what I'm yeah. saying
1: and maybe as
3: You know, Baldwin said, this is another reality. This is, there's not one way of blackness. There's not one way of being black or black family, you know. He was definitely, he was ahead
1: of his time. I think he's putting those two things within the black community together of, you know, Christianity. That um, we all have, we're talking about it more now, but ruling by fear, Mm -hmm. you know, discipline and things like that. He was doing it in 1974. in the black family, you do as I said. you do as I say. Um, don't ask any questions he, you know, that's there you have these two families and that's where Ms. Hunt comes in she's praying the sin out of them whereas you have this softness maybe discipline looks differently we, can, we don't have to do that with our children you know? we can approach it differently mm. you know um, good point well thanks everybody I any think, final thoughts? Yeah, <laughs> I know and before we go
3: I had a question for myself and I know we got to go but I'm gonna throw it out there. Throw it out there. Uh, if if David this is a it. song that that Baldwin is referencing, what's the refrain? What is the refrain for this?
1: Mmm, rhetorical.
3: For me, well, for me, <laughs> it's about it's about it's about love. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah, I'm not there yet. I I agree with you. I hear you. I'm I'm still, I'm still. Uh, the environment is huge for me, and it's. It's what people have to figure out a way to overcome, um, and I understand why love would work because that's one of the ways to overcome it. But um, maybe not overcome, just to deal to cope. with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah to cope. And I deal. don't
3: think there's any overcoming.
2: Yeah, but that—that's a conversation, though. Is—is is what does that look like to cope, to deal, and be healthy in doing that? Um, yeah.
1: Mm. I think I'm team Carrie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think I think so too. I mean, I think yeah. just from the beginning of this book just having it be about these characters who just care about each other is it was nice to see that. I don't know if it was I don't know if there were more books that would just have that on every page the way in 1974, but you don't see that depicted in books this way where that's just just love and caring about each other is is there and I I appreciated seeing that in a book again. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, everybody. Mm-hmm. Thank this was a great discussion. We so appreciate Derek coming down to this uh, radio show and sitting with us. And thank you, Carrie, for joining and bringing us your insight, you know, with um, your knowledge. I know that you have this uh, great wealth of knowledge when it comes to history the archivist you are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks
3: for having us. Yes, yes. thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It was fun. Yeah.
1: Thank you. This has been an episode of the DC Public Library on full service radio broadcasted live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, DC. Visit dclibrary.org to learn more. Follow us at DC Public Library on Instagram and at DCPL on Twitter. Download the show wherever you listen to your podcast by searching for full service radio. Thank you for listening.